This episode of The Better Business Show is sponsored by Narrative Matters, creating content that sings for organisations that want to change the world. For more details about how we can help you develop amazing content that really works, check out narrativematters.co.uk. Hello and welcome to The Better Business Show with me, Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up this week. I consider myself a businessman. Mm-hmm. I do not consider myself a missionary uh, nor a messiah for changing the world and sustainability. What is relevant is making sure that with our sustainability agenda, we uh, support directly and indirectly the success of the business. And that in itself might be a strange message for many people out there. Yes, we're in Austria this week at the invitation of the global beer company Heineken. They were keen to show off the world's first zero carbon brewery. I caught up with Michael Dickstein, the company's global director of sustainable development, to find out more. Stay tuned. Yes, uh, welcome back. This is episode 21 of The Better Business Show. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Yeah, I've taken a detour this week to bring you The Better Business Show. I'm talking to you from the incredibly picturesque town of Gers, which is uh, about a two-hour drive south of Vienna here in Austria. Uh, I'm surrounded by mountains and fresh air. It's certainly great to be here. Uh, And I'm here because Heineken uh, invited me uh, to be here as part of a press tour. Uh, so I'm one of several journalists from across the UK and Europe asked to come and do some uh, beer tasting and, and check out the brewery here uh, that makes the Gersa brand of beer, which is one of, uh, the, one of the most popular beers here in Austria with something like 70% of the market share in the country. Uh, so we've got all of that coming up very shortly. Uh, time has been against us this week, uh, what with this trip, so I've not had a chance to catch up with uh, with Vicky Knowles. So there's going to be a slight change to our format, no news roundup this week, so we'll get back onto that next week. Um, and before we get stuck into the show proper, thanks to everybody that gets in touch each week and uh, and gives us a shout out on social media and, and gives us feedback on the show, really, really appreciate it. Uh, and many of you have also been in touch signing up to our newsletter, which is great. Uh, our weekly newsletter. Um, We're going to be producing this uh, PDF document of of insight that we've uh, garnered from our guests over the last 20 odd weeks. We're going to be doing that in the next couple of weeks. Um, So if you give us your email address and sign up to our newsletter uh, at the website, which is betterbusiness.show, scroll down and give us your email address and you'll get our weekly newsletter um, as well as that cheat sheet when it comes out. Okay, let's get on with the show then. Now, many of you uh, will know, I'm sure lots of you will know of Heineken. Um, truly global business, a maker of beer, uh, has something like 250 different brands of, of well-known and well-loved beers. Uh, you've got Heineken itself, you've got Amstel, Tiger, Beer Moretti, Fosters, lots and lots of brands that we know and love. Um, and in the last few years, it's been on a massive acquisition drive, uh, buying up breweries, and it has something like 160 breweries across Europe, uh, but also in the Far East, in Africa, in Vietnam, in Mexico, which is one of its biggest markets. Um, and with that size of business and that size of footprint, it's been on a bit of a journey. In 2010, it launched a new sustainability strategy known as Brewing a Better World, uh, designed to, to really address some of the key issues that could well 
affect its ability to exist as a business in the next few decades. Um, of course, there's a focus on the amount of water it uses in the production process, which is you know, a, a fairly large chunk of water. 95% of the beer uh, is made up of water. Um, there's, there's a focus on raw material sourcing, so making sure that the company treats its farmers well and that they keep delivering those key ingredients like barley and hops. Um, and then there's the social aspect. A key issue for, for lots of alcohol companies right now is promoting responsible drinking. Not an easy task when uh, you're buying up breweries, uh, you're trying to sell more and more beer uh, and getting that balance right between encouraging people to drink less uh, and also getting them to buy more of your product is not an easy task. It's a, it's a typical problem faced by a number of companies in a number of different sectors right now uh, as they try to find a reason to exist and find a purpose. And it's an issue we'll, we'll come back to a bit later on in the show. There's also a focus for the company on CO2 emissions and energy costs uh, and that reliance on, on the grid um, to, to heat uh, water and run the industrial process of making beer which is in itself you know, fairly carbon intensive. And it's this pillar of activity that brings us here to the town of Gers in Austria, uh, up in the mountains. Um, and Heineken has set a, a target to reduce its CO2 emissions coming from its production uh, by 40% uh, by 2020. And it's, it's making very good progress. In the heart of this town, which is home to about 25,000 people, is the, the Gers Brewery, which by Austrian standards is, is a fairly large brewery, uh, produces 1.4 million bottles of beer every day. Um, and it's a brewery which is uh, very, very old. You can actually trace this, this brewery and beer has been made here since uh, about nine, 960 AD, uh, which it takes its name from, from the abbey uh, where nuns actually brewed beer through the Middle Ages. Uh, until that closed in 1782 and then this modern day brewery uh, was founded in 1860. Um, so hugely uh, historically important to the people in this region. Uh, and now it is the first large-scale carbon neutral or zero carbon brewery in the world. Powered entirely by renewable and reusable energy sources like solar and hydropower and biogas and waste heat. Um, and it's blended this kind of use of renewables and uh, using waste energy as well as a, a real focus on energy efficiency to make it as efficient as possible. Um, and it's going to reduce its carbon emissions by about 3,000 tonnes a year to absolutely zero. Um, anyway, here's Michael Dickstein, the company's Global Director of Sustainable Development, uh, setting the scene for us journalists earlier and giving us some brief background to Heineken's Brewing a Better World strategy. We are finally getting there where I want us to be, and that is linking the whole sustainability agenda in our strategy uh, with our business strategy. Um, let's start with the start. And the start is actually Brewing a Better World, which is our CSR strategy, which was introduced in 2010. And at that time, uh, the, the primary driver in many, many instances was actually very classic for many other businesses as well. Uh, it was a sort of altruistic, philanthropic approach to say, okay, we need to, uh, being a, a responsible business, we need to do something good for the society. Uh, we were focusing pretty quickly, not right at the start, we had with various work streams, but we were pretty quickly compiling all of them on the four and then later six pillars, which still comprise our CSR strategy. We focus 
on energy, i.e. Uh, the reduction of CO2 emissions. We focus on water, quite obvious, later on, once we will be in the lucky situation to drink a beer. Um, please do not forget that actually 95% of what you will have in your glass is comprising of water. So if we are not able uh, to get the water situation in our breweries right, it will be uh, it will be very difficult for us to maintain the business in the way as we want to maintain it. So water is the second pillar. The third one being um, sustainable sourcing, raw materials. Obviously, for a company that is so much committed to the quality of its products, the starting point are the raw materials. Uh, not only the quality now and today, but also the quality for the next 10, 15, 25 years. And you can only guarantee that if you source them in a sustainable way and if you make the transition starting already today. Uh, number four, responsible consumption. Obviously a, a no-brainer. If there was one real issue uh, in the CSR world for a company like Heineken, then certainly it is how to address alcohol and how to address all the risks uh, and, and, and the, the potential for abuse and how to tackle that and position ourselves as a responsible business uh, that is making sure that consumers are consuming our products in a responsible way. To conclude it, we have um, uh, focus on communities and we've also got a focus on health and safety uh, for our own uh, people. What is interesting is that Probably all of you are familiar with the notion of cradle to cradle. We like to call it from barley to bar. And by that describing <coughs> that it is a very holistic, a very comprehensive approach. Uh, we're focusing on all those topics in our value chain from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, from our raw materials and water until the very moment when our products are consumed. Now the interesting thing is that as I said at the very beginning um, we we said we wanted to embed it in the business, but we weren't there yet. And I still remember when I got into that position two and a half years ago, one of the first questions that I asked was, okay, great that we have uh, some initiatives to reduce energy, uh, that we're focusing on reducing water. What did this actually deliver in concrete terms, i.e. in hard money? And it took our colleagues in, uh, in the global head office, uh, in the finance department, three full days to make the calculations because apparently until that very moment nobody had asked that question. Now we know it and we, since last year we are publishing it as part of our sustainability report. It is currently uh, 76 million euros that we have saved in the last couple of years, uh, both in energy and in water. Not because of revolutionary steps, but more because of incremental improvements in, uh, the, uh, in the supply chain um, and focusing primarily on the mindset. Working together with our people in the breweries and in the whole value chain uh, to make them aware of where we can uh, make savings that eventually are beneficial for the bottom line. So we emerged actually our thinking. We started from um, philanthropy, to eco-efficiency, reputation obviously is, is a certain dimension for us that is relevant, particularly when you link it then to our license to operate and the fact that we are an alcohol producer uh, and we firmly believe that uh, if we want to retain a seat at the table, we need to demonstrate that we are worth it, i.e. that we are a reliable and a responsible partner. Uh, so therefore we are making many, many efforts in the area, particularly uh, for our own uh, agenda around responsible drinking.
There are other aspects that are relevant as well, risk mitigation. I was talking about water, I was talking about um, uh, raw materials. Um, we have only recently in November worked together with uh, the WWF uh, for a comprehensive risk assessment. Uh, we looked at the 23 breweries that operate in water scarce areas and we raised the question and we asked the WWF to say, okay, uh, take a look at it. Are they still the same as they were five years ago or do we see some changes there? Eventually, uh, we will later this year, uh, most likely we will have a couple of other breweries simply because uh, we see that the world is turning and there are developments and unfortunately, not always in the right direction, we see that water scarcity is becoming an issue more and more. So risk mitigation in itself is, is very important in the water agenda, in sustainable sourcing, um, making sure that the kind of business that we're doing with the quality demands that we have for our products uh, are in itself sustainable. And not only for today and tomorrow, but really in the long term for the next five to, 10 to uh, 20 years. So that's all good and that's all nice and very important to focus at. If you ask me personally, the, the thrill, the intellectual challenge, the next frontier, then I would say that's actually one area that we are now tapping into more and more. And that is how can we link all the great activities that we are doing, not only closer to the business, but also closer to the brands. Because eventually, the closer we link it to the brands, the more we will be connected to the business for very obvious reasons for us being a consumer goods business uh, that is uh, uh, focusing on brands and on the way how we position our brands. Now the story of Gers and the zero carbon brewery here is not so much a story about Heineken, but a story about a guy called Andreas Werner, who is the brewmaster. He's in charge of the brewery here. Since uh, 2003, Andreas has spent hours and hours poring over the details of how the brewery works to find efficiencies and work out the complexities of the site to create what is now a state-of-the-art brewery uh, powered entirely by green energy. Um, and now, you know, as the company says, Gers is now very much the, the jewel in the crown um, and understanding what's happened here in Gers is something they want to, to, to kind of learn from and use across its other uh, 160 breweries across the world. Uh, Heineken in the Netherlands, which operates the largest brewery in Europe, uh, recently announced an ambition to be zero carbon too, um, while other breweries throughout the, throughout the company are also implementing loads and loads of renewable energy. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of Heineken brands that are now said to be brewed by the sun, and they use this hashtag in the way they communicate with consumers, uh, hashtag brewed by the sun, have a look at it. Uh, but from next year, many bottles of lager like Tiger in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, Bira Moretti, yeah, the Italian brand, and Viexa in, in the Netherlands will carry this kind of brewed-by-the-sun label in a bid to connect this exciting low-carbon activity, which you know gets so many energy and sustainability geeks so excited, uh, but still remains something of a, eh, whatever, uh, concept to, to beer drinkers everywhere. <laughs> Up on the, the roof here uh, of the Gers Brewery, um, down below uh, is, is the Muir River, uh, which kind of curls its way around the brewery and will eventually end up in, in, in the, the Danube. Um, and this place is a truly uh, tremendous story. 
Initially, it was all about finding efficiencies in the brewing process, something that Andreas and his team have worked incredibly hard to do. Uh, 90% of the waste heat generated in the brewing process is now reused to heat water. There's a new type of boiling system that's used in the brewing process, which requires a lot less electricity and water. Uh, but really, it's, this, it's a story about renewable energy. 100% of the brewery's electricity needs are being met by hydropower sources, uh, which, which are fairly abundant here in Austria. Um, there's a football pitch of solar thermal panels producing about 3 to 5% of the brewery's thermal energy requirements. 10% of the thermal energy needs come from an on-site wastewater treatment plant, which I can see over, over there. Um, and then about six or 700 yards away is a local timber sawmill plant, also in the town of Gers. And the waste heat produced by that plant is being piped via a biomass district heating system. And this brewery is buying that renewable heat, which accounts for about 35% of the thermal energy needs. Um, but the real star of the show here is down below, right next to the football field of solar systems. 50% uh, of the energy requirement here is being met by an on-site biogas system which uses the spent grains from the beer making process. So until this system was put in place, those spent grains were either stored here on site or they were kind of sold or given away to local farms for, for feed, for, for cattle or, or chickens and basically you know that's something that most breweries actually do. Uh, but today it's uh, it's you know it's only been running for a few months but the fermentation process generates enough biogas uh, or methane from uh, the 18,000 tons of spent grain and filter residues to heat the brewery's boilers um, and as well as heating the water for the brewing process steam is generated and used for cleaning the bottles and that's because 90% of the standard beer bottles that we that we use and drink are actually returned and reused here in Austria. That's absolute common practice. Um, and lots of other European countries do that too. Um, take note, the UK, it's something we, we don't do back home. Um, but the remaining waste is then used as, as high-quality fertilizer in the barley fields, uh, the grains from which then return to the brewery as a core ingredient. And it's a fairly complex system, and you know the workings of which uh, went straight over my head, but it's been optimized to work uh, completely in step with the brewery. So when the brewery needs energy, it kind of kicks into gear. And when it doesn't need energy, I mean, they don't work weekends here, um, this system kind of dials down a bit. But using waste and feeding it back into the brewery and closing that loop is certainly a replicable system for breweries everywhere. Uh, so we're going to see a lot more of this stuff, not just within Heineken, but I'm sure across the whole sector. After a heavy night of beer tasting and then more beer drinking, I mean, I had to get a taste for the stuff, didn't I? Um, I caught up with Michael Dickstein over breakfast in our hotel to have a more in-depth chat about Heineken's wider approach to becoming a better, more responsible business. Here's the recording of that conversation. So, Michael, thank you for joining us here on The Better Business Show. Uh, and thanks for having us here in the, the beautiful town of uh, Lieben in Austria. Um, perhaps we could start with some basics. Tell us about Heineken. What is Heineken? Well, Heineken is uh, the Europe's largest brewery group. We are the number two worldwide. Uh, our flagship brand is Heineken. Uh, we uh, promote 
along with Heineken, around 250 brands, um, and we brew a better world. Our CSR strategy is as the, at the heart of our business strategy. Uh, it is one of the six business priorities. Okay, and, and this is what you're responsible for in your role as Global Sustainable Development Director. Uh, tell, us, tell us about that job. How long have you been doing this and, and what does it entail? Okay, I'm, I'm afraid uh, you I might find somebody who you could call a Heineken veteran. Uh, <laughs> I have been in the business now for uh, actually uh, 15 years almost. Um, I started out working here in Austria. Right. Um, we worked for Brau Union uh, before we were taken over and we joined the Heineken Group. That was back in 2003. I am in the sustainability position now since two and a half years roughly. My responsibilities are to first of all coordinate our Brewing a Better World program, mm -hmm. which is comprising of six pillars. We look after water, energy, sourcing, uh, responsible consumption, communities, health and safety. Uh, but I'm also responsible for bringing the outside world in, i.e. looking very closely at what is happening um, in the world of sustainability, um, reaching out to stakeholders, feeding that back to the business, and in that sense making sure uh, that we are on the right train. Okay, and you've brought us here to this town here in Austria for, for good reason. We're here to see the, the Gersa Brewery. Uh, tell us about that and what you've been doing there. This is all about a, a carbon reduction program, isn't it? We, um, as one uh, part, as one pillar of our program, we want to make sure that we reduce our CO2 emissions. The target is 40% by 2020. And um, as a matter of fact, this brewery here um, is playing a leading role. The Gus Brewery is the very first one uh, that is operating without any fossil fuel. Uh, this brewery is entirely carbon neutral. Uh, and that in itself is, of course, I mean, just take a look around. We are here in the middle of the mountains. You see a lot of green, you see a lot of nature. It is very authentic here for this brewery mm. to be the first one um, to operate through solar panels, biomass installations, uh, just making sure uh, that, uh, that it is not only uh, embedded in the nature, but also fully aligned with the principles of the nature. Right. And is this part of a sort of longer term strategy for Heineken? I mean, lots of companies we've seen do this, whether it's IKEA or Apple or Microsoft, really going for the clean energy uh, stuff, really trying to make themselves completely unreliant on, on fossil fuels. Is that part of the longer term goal here, that you actually want to take yourself off grid? I think that is absolutely part of our cost strategy. Um, reducing CO2 emissions is a thing that you can achieve uh, through two different paths. First of all, you can reduce your energy use as such. And I think every business that is busy with uh, uh, CO2 emissions as such uh, is focusing on that. We are heavily across all our businesses. The second thing is indeed, wherever we have opportunities to go for renewable, we grasp for those opportunities. The wonderful thing that we find here in Gers is that uh, the brewery is located adjacent to a sawmill. Right. Uh, and whilst the sawmill is actually um, uh, evaporating uh, steam and thermal energy, we are using that. So what we've done and what our brewmaster here, who is really a visionary, um, has built a couple of years ago, is a pipeline straight from the sawmill to the brewery. And by that, we, uh, we were able to cover all our thermal energy need. 
and that in itself is unique. So I believe what is important is in the area of renewables, which is still such a new and fresh area, you need to be creative. You need to grasp business opportunities. Uh, you need to grasp the opportunity to work together with partners and together identify new innovative ways of um, implementing renewable energy. Yeah, and, and every brewery in every different location, 160 breweries you own? Even more than 160. 160. And, it, and all of them very, very different. So I guess this is about personalities within the business, finding innovative ways of doing things, isn't it? How, how important are the people at Heineken? They are very, very important, particularly at the very beginning of such a change program. What we see nowadays, and, and, and this is something that we were focusing also during this trip here to Gers, is that there comes a moment in time, there comes a tipping point where a business like Heineken is looking at uh, certain uh, innovative uh, structures in a more structured way. Mm. And this is what we are currently doing. Uh, the Gust Brewery is a best practice example. So what we have been doing here uh, is now a, a role model for businesses in the Netherlands. Uh, our biggest brewery in Europe, in Sutterwalde, is currently looking together with the consortium uh, to build a pipeline for residual heat from the, the uh, harbour of Rotterdam straight to the brewery. That is an enormous project which would cover more than 43 kilometers. Uh, but if we are happy, if we are successful in achieving that, the whole brewery in Sutterwalde would be climate neutral as well. Right. So, right. very breathtaking projects. We have similar projects in Vietnam, where um, in a, a total of meanwhile five breweries have biomass installations and were able to uh, cover the, uh, our energy need with 50% by renewable energy. Uh, our Mexican colleagues, they are striving for uh, two-thirds of, the renewable, uh, of their energy used by renewables by 2020. Italy, uh, in only one month from now, in July, uh, we will have uh, 13,000 solar panels on the roof of our Masafra brewery, right. which will be the biggest solar field on any brewery worldwide. So it is those kind of examples uh, that are sparking then um, other examples and followers within the business, but hopefully also outside. Yeah, and it's a kind of never-ending job, isn't it? Because A, you've got uh, more than 160 breweries, but you're constantly buying breweries as well. So this is a, an ongoing program of, of work, is it? It is, absolutely. It is very important for our uh, existing operations. It is also important uh, for, on the one hand, greenfield breweries, i.e. breweries that we, uh, that we built ourselves, but also in case uh, we, we have new breweries or existing breweries that join our family. Yes. Right, right. On the, on the show, we've been over the last few weeks talking a lot about purpose, uh, probably the most overused word in sustainable business right now, but I know that you've been on a journey and brewing the better world is, is your strategy, mm -hmm. but do you know what Heineken exists for? Have you got to that point? Have you found your purpose? I think we are uh, crystal clear about the purpose for us as a business. Uh, what is exciting is that we see that we are now becoming more and more clear on the purpose of our brands and some of our brands in the interface with sustainability. Um, we see now uh, more and more brands uh, that are focusing on topics that are clearly in the heart of our Brewing a Better World strategy. Whether this is responsible consumption, we have a long track record there with the Heineken brand, 
um, whether this is related to uh, local sourcing. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. We have some brands in Africa uh, that are promoted now with uh, and, and actually sourced for 100% with local materials, uh, promoted that way. Uh, they have become within a couple of months actually icons in local markets like Burundi. But not only that, the, uh, the idea uh, of that has actually spilled over to Europe and we see now uh, similar stories in Croatia or in Hungary with local brands. And eventually what we are uh, here today now uh, in Gers, uh, renewable energy, solar energy, is something um, that is uh, gaining traction with uh, various brands. Uh, where we see the slogan brewed by the sun yeah. uh, and that is now actually added to uh, the Birra Moretti brand in Italy uh, on the label that is added to the label of our tiger beer in Singapore um, and uh, we have it already for uh, some while for the Vixivite brand which is a wheat beer in the Netherlands. Yeah and this is your attempt to kind of connect up all the amazing projects you're doing in breweries with your consumer base um, do, do, are they ready for this yet? Or do they actually care that their beer is being brewed using solar energy, for example? I can only say that you need to be very careful looking um, at, at polls and looking at surveys about consumer preference. What we clearly see, and this is not only related to beer as such, but to consumer goods in the broader sense, consumers will tell you one thing in surveys, but their actual uh, purchase behavior than in the supermarket is still not always consistent to what they tell you in the service. So that is in itself something that you need to be very careful with. Mm. However, having said that, there is a growing segment um, in some markets um, for uh, beer consumers and, and, and I would say this is somewhere between 5 to 10 percent currently of consumers who really make their purchase position, decision then in a very conscious way and where um, sustainability topics are not only hygiene factors but actually real differentiators uh, for making your purchase decision. Yeah, it's fascinating and I'm sure that the consumer interest will, will only grow. Um, the other thing is obviously important pillar for you is this whole idea of responsible consumption. Fascinating. Uh, lots of companies grappling with this. comes back to their purpose, I guess, whether it's fast food chains tackling childhood obesity or, um, you know, Coca-Cola dealing with the, the sugar tax in the UK. Um, how, do, how do you kind of get that balance right between wanting to sell more beer, but you know, kind of presenting this kind of responsible drinking culture? Well, my message is um, to the world out there: don't be afraid. Um, indeed, when I remember the conversations that we had some five to ten years back with our marketing colleagues, uh, indeed we, we we had the same hesitation, mm. and. Um, and, and it took some while to understand that you, in order to bring a great deal of brand authenticity, uh, you need to include certain responsibility messages as, as such. What we are seeing now with uh, the uh, Moderate Drinkers Wanted campaign, uh, that the brand equity and the preference for the Heineken brand uh, has increased significantly. Um, and as a result of that, it has become much easier also internally uh, to move forward uh, in uh, our uh, efforts. It is no longer the corporate relations team or the sustainability experts who are driving the agenda. For years now, it is actually our marketeers who fully believe in the concept, who grasp the opportunities and who go for it with one campaign after the other. Yeah, and, and you've been bolder than most, I guess. 
Is it being driven by your customers or being driven by people that actually drink the beer? Eventually, I think you need to, it is a kind of an interaction between both. Uh, it is the responsibility of a, of a big brand uh, to, to go ahead of your consumer. Mm. However, only so far that you're losing, not losing sight of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're able to, to, to keep that balance between setting the agenda and answering the needs of the consumers that at that very moment mm. the consumer might not even be aware of, yeah. then you're in the sweet spot. That's interesting. The, are there any companies out there that you look to for inspiration or kind of advice? Are there any sort of beacons you think actually they, they're doing a great job? I think there are that there are many uh, companies out there. Uh, we we folk we look currently a lot at those companies that uh, that have a uh, an energy strategy that is very similar to ours uh, that go uh, for 100% uh, renewable. Uh, and there's we, a lot of them now, actually, and, and, isn't there? Yeah. And this is increasing, and this is uh, this is getting more and more. We're also looking very carefully uh, at those brands, uh, or actually those companies, who put sustainability at the heart uh, of uh, their brands. Um, and you know what I mean? The great thing is obviously the community that is that has been created and established over the last couple of years. Uh, there is also great interaction between those companies and us, uh, and uh, and a very healthy exchange of, of information. Um, uh, obviously not related to, uh, to to the sector, to the beer sector, uh, but beyond just to understand uh, what the latest trends are right. and how they affect Heineken. So those in the beer sector are not necessarily working together, you're not working with competitors on... No. We are, we are very careful uh, when it comes to anti-competitive uh, rules yeah. um, and, uh, and, and this also applies to a certain extent or to a huge extent also in the sustainability field. Uh, where we work together is uh, in uh, sustainable sourcing. Uh, we apply uh, the so-called SAI principle, Sustainable Agriculture Initiative. This is a platform that is uh, meanwhile uh, joined by more than 80 FMCG companies, uh, including also some brewers. The last thing I wanted to ask you, Michael, really, was about other companies listening into this. Obviously, they'll look at companies like Heineken. You've been doing this stuff for, for a while now, lots more to do, and I think you're the first to admit that. But what's your advice to, to other businesses out there that, that really want to become better, more responsible companies? What's your kind of key pieces of, of takeaway advice for them? I would say the first advice that I have for those, uh, for those businesses is uh, take one step after the other. Um, when I look at the, at the Heineken agenda and, and when I look back five, six years for responsible drinking, when I look back uh, only two years uh, on renewable energy, um, when I look at certain topics where we are currently, we, we have a difficult time to um, establish them in on, on our internal agenda, then clearly I see it is a journey. And, and you shouldn't get frustrated by the things that you're not able to achieve today because tomorrow or maybe the day after there will be good opportunities then to bring it again on the agenda and make the progress that you're perhaps not able to do today. Number one. Number two, be authentic. If you ask me personally, I am representing this business. I consider myself a businessman. Mm -hmm. I do not consider myself a missionary uh, nor a messiah for changing the world and sustainability. At the end of the day, I believe what is relevant is um, making sure that with our sustainability agenda, 
we uh, support directly and indirectly the success of the business. And that in itself might be a strange message for many people out there. But I've seen in conversations with NGOs, in conversations with potential partners, in conversations with actual partners, that this message is a very strong one and a very authentic one because it immediately makes clear what we're standing for and why we're doing the things that we're doing. Yeah, great. Michael, thank you. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me here. <laughs> thanks for the hospitality, which thanks I think I visit. had a bit too much last time. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. So there's plenty to admire in the Heineken Gerst brewery story. In Andreas Werner, the company's fortunate to have a pioneer, a rule breaker, a gambler, someone that's worked incredibly hard to find new and interesting ways to power this brewery without the need for fossil fuels. And giving him the freedom to just get on with it is paying dividends. Let's face it, he's likely to be the most busiest man in this business over the next few years, as they will no doubt make sure that he visits everyone of the more than 160 breweries in the Heineken Group to impart his wisdom and experience. And while what's happened here at Gers is not easily replicable, I mean, let's face it, without the local sawmill, which is within easy reach of the brewery, um, they would have struggled to reach that zero carbon status. Um, but the company's on track with its low carbon agenda and should easily meet its 40% carbon reduction target within the next four years. Um, like many big businesses grappling with how to build a more responsible and low impact company, while dealing with a legacy that paid little attention to this stuff, Heineken has a lot of work to do. Its brewing a better world strategy is, is certainly worth a look. It's an all-encompassing framework that kind of sets out some key targets that will no doubt prompt numerous smart activities, uh, whether that's in reducing water or cutting carbon, which, which is what happened here, uh, and finding new ways to protect the supply of raw materials in the countries where it operates. When we arrived here in Gerst, the team at Heineken were keen to suggest that the brewing a better world strategy uh, was fully embedded into the company and it was, it was informing all business decisions uh, and had a, a positive impact from, from barley to bar is what they said. Uh, but it's clear there's a very long way to go. Cutting carbon and reducing the impacts of breweries and logistics operations, the things that Heineken has direct control over is one thing. Cutting the same carbon within supplier companies and at all stages of the supply chain and everything that goes into making this great beer is something altogether different. And it's clear that Heineken is at the very start of that journey. As I touched on in my conversation with Michael Dickstein, the social aspect of this story, Heineken finding its way in a changing consumer landscape is both really tough for a company like Heineken and also utterly fascinating. I'm not entirely convinced, but according to members of the Heineken team, all of the consumer data suggests that the so-called millennial generation don't drink as much alcohol as the generations that went before. And that's a problem for a company trying to grow. The emergence and prominence of high street coffee shops and the culture they encourage has certainly had an impact on the sale of alcohol. I'm sure the decline in bars and pubs across the developed world has also played a role as well. The approach taken by Heineken to encourage and foster more responsible drinking, uh, something they do for their TV advertising and marketing, is certainly a bold one. Much like soft drinks companies trying to get to grips with child obesity, it's a problem alcoholic drinks companies can ignore no longer. 
Getting the right balance between pushing serious messages about health and responsible consumption and targeting ever-increasing sales of beer is going to be a really, really tricky but crucial nut to crack. So that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Coming to you from the Austrian mountains. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, we are, I think it's always good to, to, to hear from big business. I know we've focused a lot on the startup and innovator sector. Uh, but it's good to, to find out what legacy businesses are doing and how they're trying to turn things around. Heineken has certainly made a start on that. So it's, it's good to find out what they're doing. Uh, and we'll try to do more of this um, as, as we go along, uh, combining big business, big business and small business. Uh, so we get a good um, understanding of what's happening across all businesses everywhere. Um, yeah, so that's it. Don't forget you can subscribe uh, via iTunes or uh, you can like us on uh, SoundCloud to ensure you get each episode uh, as we release them every Monday. Uh, don't also forget to sign up to our newsletter and res- re- receive our forthcoming uh, Better Business Show cheat sheet that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Vicky Knowles will be back with us next week uh, with a full news roundup. Uh, so sorry we didn't get a chance to do that this week. Uh, we had so much to cram in, and obviously my trip to Austria uh, kind of got in the way of that. Um, anyway, that's it from me. Uh, we'll be back again next Monday. So until then, goodbye.